Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you by Oxia Time, a cool watch company focused on university-branded watches. John Canaris is the founder of Oxia Time, and he was the goalie at Penn in the late 80s who led his team to the Final Four. John is actually best known for being the goalie that Gary Gate dunked on in the Air Gate. Oxia Time makes beautiful, Swiss-made, authentic watches whose design and quality match the essence of the universities they represent. I can attest to the quality of these watches. John hooked me up with a sweet Brown University Oxia watch, and I think it's the nicest thing I own. Initially licensed with eight Ivy League schools, Oxia keeps adding new schools each month. One of the coolest things Oxia offers is custom timepieces to commemorate championships or to celebrate storied teams. Check out the UVA Lacrosse Championship watch. It's sick. Princeton did a really nice one last year as well. Oxia even did an LSU football championship watch this year. For any teams interested in creating a custom watch this season, Oxia will upgrade it at no extra cost to a championship watch if your team wins a conference or national championship next year. For players, parents, and coaches interested in custom team watches, check them out at oxiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome Scott Marr to the Philosophy Podcast. Scotty's a head coach at Albany and uh, really fired up to uh, have you on the show, Scotty. How you doing? Awesome, Jamie. Good to see you, man. What's happening? Tell me, uh, give me the updates on uh, Albany lacrosse and how, how fall, how fall ball went and, and have a normal, having a normal fall and, you know, did you have fun? Tell me about it. Oh, absolutely. You know, just, just to be back, uh, you know, on a regular routine, having the boys, uh, lifting and, and, uh, you know, doing films, all that kind of stuff, being able to meet, you know, in, in the same room, you know, last, last year, obviously we were all doing the 10, 10 people per thing in session and just so broken up and, you know, it's really interesting, you know, we've been saying this kind of all fall, but our kids were in their third year of school, have only, haven't been to school for a full year yet, you know, so they're, they're in their junior year and they still haven't had a, a combined, you know, fall spring semester that's gone smoothly. So, um, you know, their freshman year, the spring got cut short and then they came back sophomore year, their fall was cut, we didn't have school, you know, and they get thrown into playing last year, uh, coming right out of Christmas and, and starting up and, you know, so the freshman and sophomore have really been impacted by this whole uh, COVID thing. But, but just uh, you know, awesome to be back. You know, doing um, you know, doing what we do. You know, and having some fun. And and we had a really good fall. You know, I was excited about our fall. I thought we we progressed and and uh, you know got our young kids involved a little bit. But uh, played BU and Marison a scrimmage here in Albany, and it, and it went well. And I thought we played well at times. And then obviously some things we need to work on. So it was good, good productive fall. You know, now just doing our our eight hour stuff lifted and we got practice in about an hour or so. So we'll get outside and do some throwing around, have some fun. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, when I came and watched you guys play um, on my, on my epic uh, road trip, RV trip, yeah. um, you know, I, I had like a top 10 list of a lot of different things and where Albany, 
uh, was by far number one was music during <laughs> practice. Not even a question. A lot of Almond Brothers, Pearl Jam, uh, Love it. Zeppelin. I mean, you know, uh, when the levee breaks, uh, I remember clearly I was like pretty fired up. I mean, it was just like one song after another. So um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a little bit of you. Yeah, we, we get into uh, we, we try to keep it to a classic rock kind of a, a sound, you know, throughout practice. So we throw in some of some of the more modern music for the boys every once in a while. But, uh, you know, again, it's just uplifting, get you going, you know, especially in the early part of practice when we're doing some stretch and stick work and and kind of just gets the energy going for the kids. And, you know, we have fun. We have fun with it, you know, and uh, I certainly love, you know, being out there and having some music on and, and uh, it just just enjoying it. Like I said, it definitely uplifts the whole practice and the energy, you know, um, and, and you, you know, you want your boys to be able to come up with their own energy. But, you know, you think about it, pregames, you know, in the pregame warm-up, you're listening to music the whole time and it gets you going. And, you know, they certainly have their songs that they like to hear and that motivate them. So, uh, you know, it is, it is really neat, you know. And again, I think it just creates a fun atmosphere, a loose atmosphere in a way, um, you know. But at the same time, we are getting getting down and getting dirty with some work done. And, uh, oh, yeah. Have fun. No doubt. But it's kind of like a little bit of the, you know, it's like I kind of always felt my duty as a dad was to make sure my kids knew like the, the, the classic rock, the classic, classic rock, Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, all yeah. that. So, you know, you can take that responsibility on a little bit as the head coach too. Absolutely. And it's, uh, and it's interesting. We have some kids on the team who are throwbacks, you know, you do have those kids whose, whose parents did teach them, you know, and, and, and have them listen to that kind of music. So, you know, you do have the guys who like the Led Zeppelin or the who, or, or Leonard Skinner, or, you know, maybe Dolman Brothers, but like, you know, it's just, you know, those, those guys, unfortunately, are, are a minority on the team. Uh, <laughs> so we're, we try to give, uh, we try to give the rest of the boys an understanding of what it's like to have you know, just true, true hard rock in their, uh, in their repertoire. So, uh, you know, it's funny, but like, you know, Freebird is like a huge song for our guys, you know, like out on a weekend or something, they put like one of the songs they play at the end of the night, every time, and, you know, they have that kind of, they have that fun with that, with that, uh, you know, that jam at the end of the end of the song. And, you know, it's just, it's funny to hear them talk about it and whatnot. And uh, we actually have a, have a freshman on our team. His name is Adam Thistlethwaite. Yeah, it's hard to say. Thistlethwaite. Adam uh, is a Canadian kid. And he is, uh, he's actually doing a, a, a radio block here on our, on our school radio. He does uh, Thursdays at four to four to six. And uh, he's, he's, he DJs from there and, and uh, he's, he's really into the old, really everything, you know, he's really, he's really a neat kid, but, uh, but it's fun to have somebody like that on the team because now he's doing the radio show and guys are listening to it, you know, and they're listening to what he's playing and it's kind of a country. He, he got, he got, he wanted to get in, but he got into like a country block, uh, but he tries to mix in some, you know, like we said with like the North Mississippi all-stars. So we saw he and I, you know, he and I went to uh, see last, last week on Friday night at a local, uh, local place uh, here in, in Cohoes. So, um, you know, he's just, he's just a really neat kid, but it's, it's great how he's kind of bringing that music now back to the boys, you know, and a couple of years back, we had a kid named AJ Cluck who did the same thing, you know, it was uh, happened to be Canadian also. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's just neat to have him, you know, have that position right now. And then the kids are all kind of interested in what he's playing and, you know, and, and what he's doing. So it's pretty wild. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's, um, we'll, we'll turn the conversation from music back to lacrosse. Um, so you've had, you know, unbelievable star power over the last number of years mm. and you won a lot of games with that. Now you guys have, you've, you know, from what I understand, you've got 
you know, I think you referenced this as like, we got we're a real blue collar team. We're playing good. We're athletic. We can compete. Yep. How does that allow you to almost go back to your, to your true principles of team offense um, without having to have, I mean, like, you got Lyle Thompson on the team. You're going to give him the ball. Yep. All day. Maybe you're not moving the ball as much as you really truly believe. How does this allow you to get back to your core and allow you to evolve as an offensive coach? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what's neat, Jamie, is that, back when we were that team in the early, you know, two thousands, when I first got here, um, you know, my assistant, uh, Merrick Thompson who's sitting about 10 feet from me here. Um, you know, he was on, he was on one of those teams where in a sense we didn't have a superstar, whereas, you know, him and him and Frank were pretty, pretty good and, and yeah. kind of heads, head and shoulders above most of the guys, but we did play that team style offense. So, you know, now with Merrick being, you know, our offensive coordinator and who really does run our offense and do most of the stuff, um, you know, obviously he and I consult a lot and talk, but he's the one out there doing it with the boys every day. And, yep. um, so he's really hammering home the, the, the quick ball movement, you know, the, uh, the, the understanding of, of just the, of that team concept of, of getting everybody involved. Um, so I think that's a neat thing, you know, so Merrick has that kind of ingrained in him as a player. And now as a coach, he's kind of going back to that same, that same spot where he was as a player. So, um, you know, I do, we have some really nice pieces, you know, but we don't have that, that marquee, you know, ball carrier type guy. So it is, it is going to be true, really important for us to be able to, to play that team game and, and really, and to really generate our offense through, again, our transition, um, you know, and then when we do get into settled situations, you know, really being able to, to play a good solid team offense and have good concepts and have the kids understand what we're doing. So, um, again, I thought it was a good fall that way. You know, we played BU in our first scrimmage, and I think towards the end of the third quarter. So when it was in the 13, we had 13 goals in the third quarter. So, uh, and then we kind of made some substitutions. So I was really happy with, you know, with how we did progress offensively throughout the, throughout the fall. How would you characterize the way you guys are playing offense? Uh, I would say it's just more, mm, let's say in a gritty sense, you know what I mean? Again, just, just grinding it out, just being, just being, uh, you know, working with our two man stuff. You know, we have some good skilled two man game type guys. Um, you know, we have some good, we've actually kind of, uh, yeah. Um, we talked about marriage, sent me a little note, you know, we talked about six, six, six as one, you know, Wayne Gretzky's dad, you know, and Wayne Gretzky's, uh, when his dad passed away, he, you know, at his funeral, he talked about, you know, on, on hockey, you know, five sticks is one, you know, five sticks are better than one. So we, we kind of keep hitting that concept of six sticks are better than one, you know, so moving the ball. Um, but again, we, we, we actually have changed our, our dodging approaches and where we're coming from. We, we kind of feel like our midfielders now are actually some of our better dodgers and, and better shakers. So um, we're dodging a little bit more from out top, a little bit more um, at 45 type angles, you know, using some high picks, bringing guys up to the top of the box, attacking wise and playing a two man game with a midi and an attackman. So um, just giving our middies a little bit more responsibility of, of dodging and creating, you know, and then moving the ball. And we feel like our attackmen are, are, are really good finishers. You know, uh, Keelan Seneca, uh, you know, Camden Hay had six goals in that BU game, you know, played really well. Uh, but their role isn't so much of, of dodging, you know, and, and creating for us. So, you know, again, you, everybody, you have to always change and, you know, and evolve with who you have, you know, and this year we feel like we have, you know, better midfielders for that, for that portion of the offense. Awesome. Well, I know that as, for as long as I've known you, you've always talked about ball movement. Um, and, you know, I just remember when you were, when you were at, um, at Maryland, you know, and I would ask you about offense and you'd be like, ball movement, ball movement, ball movement. And um, how do you guys stress that 
you know, as a, a, to be a passing team? What are some of the things that you do? You, like, do you just prioritize it that high? Absolutely. You know, and, and again, anything off the ground, we have a saying that Coach Wolf came up with back in, in, the, in the early uh, 210, 212, in that range, uh, just OTG off the ground, you know, getting the ball off the ground and moving it right away. Um, but again, you know, you have hot points on the field where if you're in the middle of the field and you're, and you're receiving a pass or the same side as, as somebody, you know, uh, getting the ball, what we call across the Rido line. It's an old Coach Slavkowski term, um, an old Navy term, actually, uh, of splitting the field in half and making that call. We call that the Rido line. But where you receive the ball, and if you're receiving the ball from someone on the same side of the Rido line, your job is to right away, you know, exchange it and move it to the backside so that we can attack that way. So there's some rules and principles in there that we try to, you know, just kind of, you know, just drill into their heads that when they catch the ball in certain areas of the field, they're not to catch it and try to do anything where they're just to catch it and to move it, you know, and then, then that gives us an opportunity then on the backside to attack somebody, maybe a short stick or just someone who's on a almost, you know, put somebody on an Island on that backside. If you move the ball quick enough to where defense can't, you know, shift quick enough to get their slide there. So, um, but yeah, we, we constantly talk about just, just moving that ball and, 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 you know, again, the communication before, you know, if, if I'm if I'm throwing you the ball at X, you know, and there's a guy in the backside, he's wide open, he's calling already to that guy at X for one more, one more, you know. So so it's just a constant, you know, flow of of communication too, that knowing that I'm open, so give you know, give me that ball as fast as you can. You know, so it's uh again and all those types of small principles and everything that we do, we do a lot of scramble drills where we pick up the ball and have to move it quickly. Uh, we do a lot of like, you know, in our, in our offensive box scramble drills, again, pick up the ball off the ground, moving it two passes and then attacking. So, uh, you know, we try to do, we try to obviously implement all of our drills that we do into our, into our overall offense as I'm sure most, most teams do. For sure. One of the drills I, uh, that sticks out that, that I love that you guys ran was when you did your like short field either four on four or five on five. I think the goals were up on the restraining lines or something like that. And it was yeah. continuous competition, mm -hmm. just incredible skill development, IQ development because of the context. There was like enough context there that like you were getting a lot of reps, you know, but it wasn't so isolated, you know, where, you know, you were not just working on, you know, one specific. Uh, yeah. Thing. It, it, it was just that there's other teammates and defenders out there that allow the players to truly learn and develop. Yeah, that's uh, we call that COQ. That's a Coquitlam, you know, British Columbia drill, a box drill. You know, we do do a lot of box type drills where we shorten the field and we and we pull the sidelines in and you know and make it to a, almost a box side. Very similar to what we're doing right now in the fall. We're doing some of that sixes stuff, um, shorten the field just to get our conditioning, you know, keep our conditioning going. Um, but the, that that box drill there different from the sixes it's very it's similar but that that drill incorporates guys coming off the bench on a save and coming back to the ball getting it and then transitioning and the guys who are on offense the two midfielders getting back in the hole and playing defense it works on them getting back in the hole and then the guys coming off the bench are coming back to the ball to clear the ball they come back to it get it and then they push the ball um but that also works on all of our pass down pick down stuff it works on our on our, uh, what we call a Husker that way, where we pass down, pick down and carry the ball and then move it to the backside. Like you're saying, it wasn't just specifically working on one type thing. It was working on multiple things throughout the course of the thing. So it's again, saves by our goalie and our goalie right away, having his head up and his hands up and moving the ball quickly and getting the ball out. Cause it's for us, it's so important that our goaltenders catch the save, you know, 
and then right away their hands are up in a throw position so they're ready to move the ball on and get us running and start our transition game. Because we tell we tell guys all the time, it doesn't matter who has the ball. Once we get the ball in our sticks, we are on offense, whether you're a defenseman, a goalie, you know, defensive midfielder, whatever it is. As soon as we get the ball in our sticks, we are pushing the ball and we're going, you know, we're going the other way. So those types of drills really help because they're fast. Um, and again, they're tight spaces. You are working in a smaller, in a smaller area like you would in box. And the number of touches that we're getting, that's what we really like about the, about the sixes. It's very similar to, you know, I coached hockey, you know, my, my, you know, early days with my son and my daughter and the best parts of hockey, I always thought were the cross ice games that we played, you know, where you played three on three and kids just got touch after touch after touch after touch. And that's kind of what you're seeing in that drill, that COQ drill. And then also with the, the sixes, you're seeing just a lot of touches, you know, and it, it's so funny because I, I was, I was talking with my son actually he plays, he plays for the, for the wings um, now. And, and uh, just the difference between the box and the field in the sense of, you know, we always, we always rave about how great the Canadian stick skills are and how great the Native American stick skills are. Well, there's a huge reason for that because when they start playing box, when they're three, four years old, and they're getting that number, the amount of touches that you get in a box practice. And you've been in the box, Jamie, you know what practice yeah. is like. Just think of how many times you are passing, picking down, cutting, catching the ball off the ice, then you're back, you know, that off the floor, then you're back on the floor. And you're, you're, you're just, it's a constant, you know what I mean? It's a constant, the ball stays in. So the number of touches, you think about it, between a, a kid who grew up in Canada playing box across and, you know, or, or uh, the natives playing box across, as opposed to an American kid who's only really played field. Think about the limited touches you get in an actual field practice, Totally, man. you know, 10 on 10 and you're not shortening the field at all. You're not doing small sided drills. You know, you wonder why, you know, again, the natives and the Canadian stick skills are so darn good. Well, they've had probably a million more opportunities to catch the ball. You know, and, and it's just something that we started doing. Like I said, this this that we're going to do till the end of our fall is just keep playing the sixes and, and doing those that COQ drill just to get as many touches as we can. Just because, again, you can see it. Kids kids do have a tendency, you know, to, to take their eye off balls. And, you know, we, we had we had, that way we had more drop passes this fall than we had in a long time. So we're really trying to concentrate on how many times we can get guys uh, the ball on their stick. Totally. And I, and I feel like there's – I always said the same thing, which is box time is like double time. You know, you're going to get so many, you're going to get so much more out of it, but it's not just the touches because not all touches are created equal. In other <laughs> words, it's decision-making touches. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's, 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 it's touches where it's actually pretty hard to score. You know, like, like, like you can do West Jenny uh, three on twos all day and everybody looks great. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you, you, all of a sudden you do a three on two with a four by four net. And you really have to like, you know, be a lot more technically sound, even in your ability to do something as simple as draw and dump. Like right. really think about the way, the way the Canadians have taken the most simple but important skills, such as draw and dump, such as two-man game, such as just yes. swinging the ball. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's just a massively important skill to be able to do that. And of course, the catching and throwing you know, comes right along with it, but it's, it's this combination of decision-making with the skills that I think separates yeah. box and box players. Yeah, absolutely. I was just, uh, you know, we had the firewalls uh, here in Albany now from, uh, they came over from Connecticut and I've been doing some work with them, uh, just promoting and, and, and getting them out, uh, trying to get some, some people in the seats. And, you know, people ask me again, like what that difference is in, in the game and, and what makes so 
the box game so exciting. And that was one of my points was that you have to be, you have to be unbelievably quick on your feet and understand where the ball is going next. And really in a, in a millisecond, you catch it, it's got to be a decision already in your head, you know, in a way of what I'm going to have, you know, one or two options, either going to shoot or I'm going to make it another quick pass. Like you're saying, it's just, you know, that decision-making process too, again, will help us, you know, along the way here, if we continue to do those types of things, you know, on the field, on the field side, but just think about how much time you almost have in a field game where you are, all that space and, you know, you're coming down to four on three or something and that point man gets it. Nobody really slides. And he's just, you know, he's standing there. He's got one or two seconds really to, you know, make a decision, you know, where those things in box just don't, you know, it just doesn't happen. You know, you're, you're, you get closed on, you get closed on really quickly, in a, you know, by a defenseman in that game. No doubt. It's uh, it's really fascinating. I mean, the, the fact is box is a, a passing and picking and cutting game. Whereas field is more like clear space and go. Yeah. And, you know, again, um, is, it's important to be able to do that in, in field, you know, and, and, but box players can do that. And, but, but, but a lot of times the field players have a harder time with the passing and the picking and, and, and the ball off the ball movement. And, and that's really where the game is at. Well, you look at it. I mean, again, you, you know, you were saying, we we're talking off before the thing, you know, you were the, the first American to win, you know, be on a Minto cup team. You know, Americans have a hard time going from playing the field to step it in that box. Whereas a Canadian guy can play the box and then steps in the field, you know, my, my Canadians, we joke all the time, you know, it's a six by six, you know, they're like, it's like, it's like free, free goals, you know what I mean? So uh, just, just that ability to, to make that transition, you know, from outside to inside, it's tough in, you know, inside to outside, a lot easier to do. Totally. Perfect transition to talk of a little chaos lacrosse. Oh, Nice. <laughs> obviously uh, a full Canadian offensive roster and yeah. um, and you know arguably the best lefty on the team is in the goal <laughs> I love it you know it's so funny because he could easily fit in on you know uh, on that offensive end you know he's just such an unbelievable athlete uh, I don't think people realize how good of an athlete Blaze really is um, and the skill level and the you know on top of all the skill level and all that stuff his brain you know, is just, he thinks lacrosse. It's unbelievable. You know I mean? He is, his IQ is off the charts. And again, I think that comes from, he grew up playing, you know, him and Brett Queen are both, you know, playing out, playing attack, playing midfield, you know, feeling the whole game and understanding how the whole game works, not just the one position that he was playing in the goal. You know, you talk to most goalies who've just only played goalie their whole life. They really don't have a great perspective on offense in a sense, or they might have a little bit on defense, but obviously because they're at that end of the field, but it's not quite the same as actually being, you know, engrossed in playing offense as a midfielder or or as an attackman uh, like those guys did. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just amazing. You know, I was so I was so happy for Blaze because it just, you know, we came close when he was here and, you know, and, and uh, you know didn't have that opportunity really to play at the, in the finals and stuff. But, you know, for him to finally get an opportunity to win one and uh, obviously with Troy as well. So we're, we're pretty, pretty pumped for that, but uh, it's just amazing. I mean, I'm looking forward to his wing season now to, you know, watch him play the indoor. Oh, <laughs> I can't decide what I like watching better. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the amazing thing about blaze is just how non-conventional he is mm. uh, in, in some of the things he does. It's his exact opposite of what everybody else is told to do as far as get into this like stance at all times. And, you know, but at the same time, he's obviously, he's the best goalie in the world and arguably the best player in the world. How do you, how would you characterize his, his, his style and where he learned it from and, and why it works for him? 
Yeah, I, I think for one, it comes from his size, you know, and, he, and he's not afraid to get hit with the ball, you know, for one. Uh, and, it, and it is unconventional. You look at him when he makes those saves with his, with his low hand and he punches it down to the ground, you know, and he doesn't step, like you're saying, it's not a, it's not a traditional step to the ball type of a save. Um, he sits back on the line a little bit. He doesn't come out too far. Uh, you know, it's just, um, you know, again, he just has such a, a good tracking of the ball. And again, I think the anticipation of understanding, you know, understanding, you know, a guy that's, you know, you know, on his left side, you know, he, he knows that there's somebody open on the, on the top backside or, you know, I mean, or, or somebody coming on the crease and that anticipation of getting himself into position to make the save, you know, when, when that ball does get passed, I think that's a huge thing for him. And I think, again, that comes from the knowledge of playing offense all those years of just knowing what attackmen are looking for, you right. know, and reading, reading their eyes and where they're throwing the ball or where they're looking to pass the ball. And then anticipation of, of getting yourself turned and being ready for a shot. You know, I think, I think that again, that whole, the whole combination of playing offense his whole life, you know, and then being in the goal, uh, is, is a, such a unique, unique thing that, that it has really elevated him to be the best goal in the world. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel like he, 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 he can identify immediately what everybody's options are and he can mm. eliminate what your options are. So he, he pretty much knows what your options are, where you can shoot. And then he knows if he can sort of stand and, and, and be patient or if he kind of has to guess here or there or whatever, like he just knows, like you just see him when he drops to two knees sometimes. He knew you were going there. You knew yeah. you had to, you know, on like these like lefty come arounds and stuff or whatever. I feel like he just knows what your options are almost like a Terminator where he looks at you and all of a sudden it like flashes, like all the options flash and then he circles one in his head and then makes the same. Right. I think, I think uh, similar, honestly, to, I was very fortunate to coach uh, Brian Doherty, you know, at Maryland, hmm. uh, similar to that, but Doc was a big baiter. You know what I mean? He was, he would, he would show you something and then he'd, and he'd jump on it and he'd give, he'd give it to you and then he'd take it away just as fast, you know? Um, but also there, you know, Blaze's, his energy, you know, Doc's energy was unbelievable. We knew when Doc started bouncing in the goal, like we were like, Oh my gosh, we're, you know, Here we go. He's, he's, He's on, you know what I mean? He's on and we're going to be, you know, here we go. And it just goes through the team. And, and that's very similar to how Blaze was, you know, with us, obviously, you know, and then with, uh, you know, with the chaos, you know, his, he starts making some saves and, and getting that ball out and, and, and getting the running game going and scoring transition. I mean, they were the best transition team in the league, uh, you know, because of his saves. You know, he turned, he turned would-be goals into goals at the other end, you know, for his own team. So, uh, but that energy that he brings and that leadership and the, and the communication, you know, constantly talking and, um, you know, and, and, and not, not talking just to talk, but good, but, but saying the right things, I think at the right time, you know, Blaze wasn't a crazy rah-rah guy in our huddles or anything like that. But when he did speak, you know, you know, everybody was like, Oh, okay. You know, let's, let's take that to, to, you know, to heart and, and move on with it, you know? So, uh, but I thought Brian was the same way. So I kind of compare those two again, both lefties, um, you know, uh, I would think, I would say Blaze has a little bit better of an outlet than Doc, and I'm sure Doc would be un unhappy with me for that. But <laughs> well, I just, I don't think Doc could uh, could be a starting lefty forward for the Wings. So <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree with that. <laughs> Although, I mean, isn't Blaze like the only starting forward in the league who's an American? Is there another forward? Yeah. I wouldn't know that depth of, of all the Tommy Shriver. Yeah, Shriver's there. I, you know, I know, you know, again, it's still very limited for, for, for Americans to be in there. I say this about Doc, though. Doc was a basketball player, you was know, and, uh, and his dad was a, was a great basketball coach. 
And, uh, you know, so he had that similar type knowledge of the game and the motions and where the ball should go. And again, IQ off the charts, you know, in a sense of lacrosse IQ uh, and even for basketball too, you know, so it was, uh, so I think, again, I think those, those upbringings and what kids do as goalies, I would encourage all goalies, you know, to go out and play like, you know, we, we're doing the sixes right now and our starting goalie is, is playing uh, midfield. You know, he's out there running, running the field with us, you know. No doubt. I, I say it all the time. I mean, if you're not a great lacrosse player as a goalie or a pole, and that's one of the reasons why I feel like, you know, these the Canadian kids on defense have such an advantage is because they, they, they have incredible skills. Yeah. And so many young kids are just relegated to being almost like cones at practice. They're the defense. <laughs> the defense that, you know, shouldn't, you know, don't cheat the drill, you know, don't cheat the play. And then they just sort of stand there with their sticks that are towering over their heads. You know, whereas I did a podcast with Brody Merrill and he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, pretty much like played with a stick up to my chest, you know, at the longest. Yeah. When he was 16, probably picked up a pole when he was 15 or 16 for the first time and always wanted it, short, you know. Yeah. It's so funny to say that because last night we were at my, my uh, club team practice and I walked up to two defenders they are probably both in the seventh grade or sixth grade and their sticks were about a foot over their heads. And these guys were, you know, they could not handle this the ball at all. And I said, guys, I walked up, I said, you probably cut that stick down by at least a foot, you know? You know so it was, uh, you know, you the same want. with our defense. What's that? They all feel like that you're challenging their manhood when you tell them to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and we and we talked about Brody the other day in practice. You know, again for our defense, when they to, to uh, catch and throw it again, you know, with, especially if they're offhand, uh, you know, putting their hand up at the top of their, uh, you know, up by the head of their stick and, and be able to catch the ball, you know, basically in their hand, you know, and then and then transitioning their hands down to a spot where it's almost playing with a short stick. If you watch Brody, he always, you know, he played with that short stick look, you know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so switching gears here, what um, what are, how do you uh, sharpen your saw. How do you get better as a coach, whether that be podcasts, books, videos, conversations, uh, all of the above? I let Merrick do that. And he tells me what he, he tells me what he reads. <laughs> I'm not a big book guy, unfortunately. Um, you know, we watch on tape and watch, on, we watch, you know, we watch different games and films like that and try to pick up ideas from other from other staffs and whatnot, you know, and, and, uh, you know, like we're going, we talked about uh, this fall going down and talking to coach Bresci about some of his junk defenses that he ran at Ohio state and, and stuff like that, you know, just, uh, just kind of words, you know, uh, with, with other coaches. And, and again, Merrick and, and John do a lot of, uh, a lot of that stuff they're watching and, and, whatnot. and we do a lot of talking about it, to be honest with you. So. Right. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a favorite podcast? No. Um, all right, switching gears. Don't Unfortunately, I don't really listen to them. I don't. Yeah, First of all, the technology of getting them on my phone and doing all that kind of stuff, I'm really not. I'm really not good at. I'm good at pressing the zoom, the zoom screen to get this on, but that's about it. Oh yeah, here's my favorite book. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite book. What do you got? Oh, the Energy Bus. John yeah, that, that was our favorite one. We still use a lot of quotes out of that, and we talk about that a lot. You know. Um, you know, but that's, uh, that, that, I think that's one of the best ones. It's pretty simple. Um, I don't think you, you can, you know, go wrong with, uh, with a lot of what we talk about from that book, just about positive energy and thinking positively and, you know, and, and continue to, to stay on the positive side. And, you know, um, and again, it's still a fine line between the whole, you know, 
staying positive, get the next one. You know, you don't want your guys, and we've talked to them about that this year, about slipping into uh, the my bad situation or the, you know, you know, get the next one and just kind of stay and get the next one as, as almost an excuse to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Uh, we certainly don't want to make mistakes, but we certainly don't harp on them. Um, you know, but at the same time, we, we, we want them to, to learn from what they did, you know, wrong, uh, and, and, and get better the next time that they do it, you know what I mean? mean, this, you know, really mean what they say when they say, I'm going to get the next one, well, I'm going to get the next one by what, by moving my feet better, by continuing to run through my catch or, you know, getting my hands up and, and making a good solid, you know, overhead pass by running towards my teammates, stuff like that, you know? Um, so we, we try to, we try to keep everything positive and going positive, uh, you know, in practice and in games, you know, and again, a lot of that comes from John Gordon's book there. Yeah. Great book. What, how do you, um, how do you um, sort of hand the leadership over to the upperclassmen, to the seniors to help, you know, get all of these concepts um, sort of um, bought into by the rest of the team? Well, I think communication, you know, talking with them about stuff prior to what their responsibilities are, what their roles are as leaders. Um, I think one thing we adopted is, is actually just a couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago, we started doing a little big brother uh, system, you know, of, of older guys uh, having a freshman or sophomore underneath their wing and just kind of getting them through school. Again, I think I think the school side of things the last couple of years has been really, really um, inconsistent for for our freshmen and sophomores, you know, from their junior year in high school for as, as the freshman to their freshman year now, you know, uh, being, in, being in their bed, doing their homework, you know, their high schools, you know, everything online, you know, the classes themselves getting, you know, who knows if they're getting better grades than they should have gotten if they were in person. Uh, but I think there's, I think over the last year and a half uh, with, with the COVID stuff, kids have lost a real structure to what they're doing. You know what I mean? And, and again, deadlines and, and handing stuff in on time and whatnot. So um, I think for our guys, we, again, we, we've kind of implemented this big brother thing, which has been great. You know, our, our older guys are having a chance not only to get to know their, you know, get to know their, their, younger players on the team a little bit better, um, you know, but also helping them out in the sense of getting them through this, this time, uh, you know, where they're not, not really sure of how it's going. You know I mean? Again, it's been a, you know, the semester has been, I think has been tough, you know, with going back to class regularly and, you know, again, staying on top of things and that whole time management thing, you figure out they've almost a year and a half of no time management, you yeah. know, and then now they're, now they're, they're pushed right back into it. So, um, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of been a good thing for us, you know? Yeah, but I think that, like leaders have to kind of develop too throughout the course of the year, you know, and we're, and we're seeing some of our kids now become, you know, you know, stepping up as being those guys. And, and we kind of look at our juniors and our seniors as our, as, as guys who we look to lean on a little bit. Uh, we like to kind of develop some of our, of our juniors um, as, as leaders, you know, give them a, a, an assistant captain type role, you know, and then, then they would be the next ones going, uh, you know, to their senior year. So uh, but, you know, again, I, th I think it takes time to see who's really genuine about leading yeah. that does it on a consistent basis, you know, and, and is their message right, you know, at all times? Are they staying positive? Are they, you know, are they, are they creating a good atmosphere for the younger kids to be, to be in? You know, I think those are some things that you kind of have to wait and see as the course of the fall semester goes, goes on. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, so when you're, when you guys are, um, when you guys are on the road, which, which is, now, November is uh, one of those times you get to go out and recruit. Um, if you were to sort of uh, talk about positions, but positions within positions, 
What would you say you guys are looking for? Is there any blueprint for what you're trying to find, you know, um, for a defenseman, for a midi, for an attackman, um, as you sort of think about what you're looking at, what you're looking for? Well, you know, I should start, you know, start with a defender. Um, you know, first of all, just, just his overall athletic look to him. You know, what does he have? Is he, does he look like an athletic kid? You know, how does he hold a stick? You know, where's the stick on approaches? Uh, where's the stick on the off ball? You know, is he, is he understanding off ball stuff? Um, you know, I saw a kid the other day, uh, I can't say his name because he's only junior, you know, but did a great job of like, of hedging, you know, understanding when he was off the ball, he got in, um, you know, and then as the ball was coming towards him, getting out to his player, getting a good angle to take to him. Um, so again, just, you know, we talk about like IQ stuff, understanding uh, that, you know, most kids, you know, are pretty decent on the ball. You know, we're certainly looking for kids who are off the ball, you know, that, that off the ball defense, again, understanding where you are in the field relative to the ball. Is he getting in is he, or is he standing, you know, is he the furthest guy from the ball and he's standing two feet from his guy, you know, and the ball's, you know, opposite him, you know, those, that's the kind of guy you're not really looking, looking for. So, um, you know, just again, just athleticism. And then, you know, you say size, but I think there's all different levels of defenders too. I think you need different sizes. I think, you, I think a good five foot nine, five foot 10 kid who, who's strong and got great feet. You know, I look back at like an Eric DeLui that we had, um, you know, a couple years back, you know, was only about five foot eight and uh, just was a, just a really strong kid, had great feet. Um, you know, and then we've, you know, we've got guys on the team right now are six foot five, you know, and they move real well also, you know, and, but I think there's different spots for them too. You know, you're always going to run across the, the Grand Amen or the, or the Connor Fields or somebody like that who's going to be a ball carrier. You're going to need somebody that's quick. You need somebody with good feet, you know, to get in their hands, um, you know, that type of stuff. Um, you know, so I think that, I think defenders do come in all shapes and sizes. I know we all want to have like this six foot five, you know, starting lineup of these goons that look like they're going to take your head off. But sometimes a six foot guy, you know, six foot five kid covering a five foot nine attack is as quick as hell, you know, just leads to trouble, you know, fouls and no doubt. You know, just, just giving up uh, opportunities, having to slide to them, you know. So I do think we look for a mix of guys, you know. So I think like right now we've just we, we have some, we do have a couple of guys in that five nine, five ten range, uh, and then we're going to have that six two, six three guy also, you know. Um, <clears throat> but again, just you know, and then and then obviously for us, you know, the ability to handle the ball as a defenseman. Yeah. Can you get upfield? Are you are you looking to push the ball in transition? Are you you know are you not not good at clearing the ball? You know, we need, we need guys who can handle the ball, uh, clear the ball well, you know, run run well with the ball, you know, again, be involved in, in that transition because that's, again, that's where a lot of our offense starts is, is from our defenders. Um, you know, midfield-wise, again, we, we play a two-way system, so we're looking for kids who can play offense and defense. Um, and, again, for, for a short stick defender, you know, how good is his feet? You know, is he uh, does he have the ability to – to run with a guy and keep him down the side, you know, not get, not get uh, toasted all the time and get rolled back into the middle of the field, you know, uh, those types of things, you know, but just a good solid defender, again, understanding defense, um, you know, n- n- you know position wise, where are you again, relative to the ball? Do you understand what you're doing off the ball? Uh, and then again, as a midfielder, you know, what's, his, what's his athleticism, his speed, um, his stick skills to get the ball from the defensive end and, and, and clear the ball you know, and, and be involved in our, in our transition offense, you know, and then again, when he gets on that offensive end, you know, how can he, how does he, how does he do offensively? Can he, can he play both ways? 
Now we've gone back and forth, but for the majority, we really do want to play a two-way system. So, you know, we, we, we have to have our guys, you know, be able to be, um, at least efficient on offense, you know, and like I said, dependent, dependent on what we have, like I said, this year we have some uh, midfielders who are probably more of our initiators as opposed to what it was our attack in the last six, seven years, you know, um, you know, same thing. Can, are these guys able to play and, and do that kind of stuff or are they step down shooters? Are they going to need to play with an attackman who's, you know, carrying the ball, creating that opportunity for them to step down and shoot, um, you know, those types of things for a midfielder. You know, and then, uh, and then out of that, again, we can always get, you know, we can always make guys defensive midfielders, or then we make them more just offensive midfielders if we kind of go to that, what we call a platoon system. Sometimes we'll go to that platoon system where we're putting, you know, four or five attackmen on the field with only one midfielder. That goes both ways. Um, and then this year, we're really looking for an attackman, more of like an ex-attackman, you know, that, that, that alpha type guy who can carry the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, we have we feel like we have some nice finishers in our freshman sophomore classes right now. Um, we have just signed a couple of kids today that are, that are coming that are, that are really good finishers as well. Um, you know, but, but we're missing kind of that X guy, you know, that, that Luke DeQuino, uh, you know, Connor Fields, Lyle Thompson, you know, guy who can, you know, just kind of run the show, you know, and be that quarterback and be the, the, the guy who we know if we get him the ball on the stick, he's going to make something happen, you know? So, you know, and those guys are typically, you know, again, for the most part, are on, the, on the smaller side. We've got a Grant Amen, you know, kind of fields. Um, you know, Lyle wasn't overly big at the time, you know, that he was doing it. Um, yeah, but someone with great, you know, again, IQ, change of direction, um, you know, the ability to put the ball, you know, and guys in position where they're going to have a good opportunity to score, you know, so – Let's hope we find them, Jane. We need them. Yeah, man. How do you um <laughs> how do you evaluate um how do you evaluate offensive IQ? Well, again, I think it's, it comes down to uh, you know, does he understand again, ball dying in your sticks, never good. Um, you know, but again, uh picking up uh you know the ability to find uh the backside player, uh backside feed. Um, you know, just again, being in the right places. So as an, as an attackman, you know, getting yourself to the goal line, you know, if you're a low attackman for, for a fast break, you know, if you're a righty or a lefty, we, we really harp on our guys to get to the goal line. So if you see a kid who's, who's hustling to get himself down in position, anybody's, anybody that's you're looking at that anticipates and you see that he's anticipating the play, he's anticipating that next pass. He's yep. putting himself in a position that, okay, I'm on the goal line right now, but I know in three steps I can be behind the goal to catch a pass through X, you know? Um, so that, that especially, I think a lot of that comes, you know, the higher end of it, you know, it's really for the attack side, you know? Um, and again, you look at the midfielders, you kind of want them just to be blue collar ball movers, step down shooters, um, you know, Dodgers here and there, but you know, those, those attackmen really that, that next level of IQ is that anticipation, understanding where to be. And then again, ball in their stick, did they have the thought process to catch it and right away, you know, bang it to that, to that next opportunity, you know, for sure. You got to be able to kind of know what you're going to do with it before you get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, your, your best players do, you know, they say think two passes ahead, but you know, their best players do do that, you know, and then and they get to those areas. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's all, I think, again, it's all about getting to the area where you're going to get it and the ability that when you get it, that you're pushing it to an area that has an opportunity to, to shoot, you know, and put somebody in a good opportunity, in a good position to score. You know what I mean? So just understanding, you know, that again, the, the parts of the field, 
you know, what the defense is doing, being able to read a defense, you know, understand if you have a four on three, is it a four on four? Is it a five on four? You know, you get an attackman that's calling out what it is, you know what I mean? And communicating those things in, you know, in, in a club scene or a, or a tournament that you go to, then you know that kid will He's pointing, hey, pass the ball to the point, man. Pass it here, pass it. You know, those types of things you can pick up on a kid, you know, if you're no really yeah. – Yeah, communication is definitely – especially if you can hear what they're saying. That's true on the defensive side too. Obviously, if you got somebody who's communicating and it's it's not just a, I'm hot or I got ball, but rather, uh, hey, Scotty, push out on that. Hey, send him here, send him my way. Those are some, you know, some things that you can kind of listen for as well, I would imagine. I think when you're saying that defensively, like pulling, pulling guys in from the backside is so important. You know, getting a guy back, you know, you know, on, on ball triangle, off ball triangle, that type of stuff, getting those guys who are away from the ball to come in, splitting two, you know, uh, those types of things that you're saying. If, if there's a one quarterback on the field who can do that, you know, it's certainly it's, – it's so valuable um, to have that kind of communication and not relying necessarily on your goalie to have to do that the whole time, you know, because he's got other things to worry about. No doubt. Speaking of which uh, – you know, when you think of Albany lacrosse, a lot of times you think of Wild Thompson and Connor Fields, um, but there's two starting goalies in the PLL right now that are Albany grads. So, yeah. so, so uh, we did, you know, we talked a lot about blaze. We didn't talk about JD, um, but uh, yeah. how did you, uh, how did you recruit those guys and how does that impact how you recruit guys now? Well, certainly uh, we're so proud of both of them, you know, and, and really, you know, with Brett, Brett was there last year. So in the bubble, all three of them were, were playing, you know, so we had, we were the only, we were the only school that had three goalies, you know, in the PLL. So definitely pride myself on that. I'm a, I'm a big goalie guy. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm just fascinated with the position, but I'm, I'm kind of the one who does a lot of the, the decision-making on the goaltenders that we do get. And, uh, you know, Brett was, you know, Brett was just kind of keen, you know, Brett, we're really fortunate how we got Brett, you know, went to Penn state and Herkimer, uh, built a relationship with him and, uh, and got him. But again, Blaze, I recruited, you know, partly because he was an offensive player. <laughs> you know, I, I saw him play in a tournament. He was playing attack and, you know, and he had three, three or four goals in the game. I saw him play and, uh, you know, it's just like, holy cow, I got to have this kid on my team. Cause we had, you know, again, when Brett was here, Brett played man up, you know, so I kind of recruited Blaze to play, to play man up and to play goalie. Um, but he wasn't comfortable with doing that. So we, so we ended up not, uh, not doing it with Blaze. Uh, but JD actually, you know, we were just talking about him this morning, uh, Coach Thompson and I, and you know, it's it's really neat for us now that we're twenty years in that we're we're getting kids who who want to come to Albany, you know, who, who like it's their dream to come to Albany. They want to play here, uh, you know. And, and JD was one of the first guys. You know, JD been coming to our games since he was about uh, six or seven years old, you know, and and always uh, wanted to be a great Dane. And it just worked out that he was obviously good enough. Um, and, and JD did an unbelievable job of waiting his turn behind Blaze, uh, learned from Blaze, and, and you know did a lot of things. And then when it was his time to shine, he really did. Uh, you know, and again was our was, was the goaltender who brought us to a Final Four uh, and had a you know, first team All American goalie of the year. Uh, so he kind of gets overshadowed a little bit by yeah. Blaze, but he actually accomplishment wise, uh, you know. And I always thought Blaze got cheated out of all that stuff too. There's there's no way that Blaze. Uh, wasn't an all-american goalie you know here he should have been yeah, at least a two-time yeah at least a two-time all-american here there's no question he had the most saves in the country i mean again we were facing off 35 percent you know and winning games uh you know over over the course of those years uh, at a pretty good clip so uh, he had a lot to do with a lot of those wins but uh yeah we're just so proud of those guys again for 
for wanting to play in that, you know, to wanting to be that good and, and to, to continue to work to be that good. And, and JD's work ethic is, uh, is, is really second to none, man. The kid just really pushes himself and, you know, his dad still shoots on him quite a bit. Uh, his dad, Joe, and um, he's just, just a really, really just solid kid. And, uh, and to see them both play again, it was, you know, it was kind of bummed that they played in the semifinals. I was hoping they'd, they'd be in the finals uh, to, against each other, but uh, yeah, you know, just, just the way it worked out. But yeah, we're, we're super proud of those guys. Pretty sick. I, I love the fact that you, the two of your three best goalies of all time were man up quality players. I, I always tell the goalies that I work with as well as the defense. And I'm like, okay, you, you want to know what I mean by you should be skilled. You need to be good enough to be on your man up team. Now that's, that, that that's one thing in high school, um, you know, but to be able to do it at a national yeah. college team, it says a lot. Yeah. It was funny because blaze blaze did it and he scored against Bryant and we lost the game 10 to nine. And he felt like it took him out of his rhythm in the goal, you know? And, uh, and then he asked me not, not to do it anymore. And I was, you know, I was pretty bummed because for one, he's, you know, he shoots the ball about 105 miles an hour, uh, <laughs> you know, and, it, and again, it's just, you know, same with Brett, like they're, they just added to the, the man up. They weren't, I wasn't doing it as a gimmick. Right. Doing yeah. it they were the best players, you know, they were the best ones to do it. And, and it's funny. We just talked about, you know, we have Will Ramos right now is, is our, is our starting goalie. Um, you know, coming out of last year and, and, and will, you know, will played man up for Puerto Rico and played midfield for Puerto Rico in the, in the world games in 2018. And we actually talked about him playing man up the other day, just cause he's, I mean, he shoots the hell out of the ball, you know, and, and he's got, he's just got good offensive, you know, understanding of the game, you know, it's uh, so it's pretty wild. So we, we haven't made that determination yet, but uh, it's certainly something we could do because again, we have a back, you know, our, our goalies behind them are certainly capable of coming in and playing, playing goalie for those couple of minutes where he's out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, those uh, the backup will be fired up to go in there, but the uh, the next the next uh, lefty or righty that would have been on man up would be so, so it's kind of a win win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And again, we did it in 07, you know, but we did it in 06 with Brett too, but in 07, you know, and, and uh, you know, we, we were we climbed to number two in the country that was year we lose to Cornell in the quarterfinals uh, in overtime, yeah. you know, and, and again, the you know, we gave Danny McEwen, uh, our backup goalie, a chance to play in quite a few games, you know, uh, that that he would not have rather, you know, would have, would have played in if, if we didn't do that with Brett. So uh, again, giving it another role to another player, you know, yeah. uh, opportunity for him to play. And, and uh, cause it kind of, again, Brett kind of came in through junior college and Danny was supposed to be our next goalie. And, and unfortunately that was, you know, was just brought that much to the table that we had to start him. So. Yeah. yeah. Awesome stuff. Well, Scotty, thank you so much for taking the time. sounds like you guys had an awesome fall and uh, <laughs> wish you the best of luck in, in uh, 2022. Thanks, Jamie, man. Love, love being on with you, buddy. Awesome, dude. Talk to you soon. Yep, you too, man. Thanks.